Previously on Anything Goes. And, and we also, while you were in Toronto, we took out to uh, the Underground Comedy Club last night. Yeah. Which was such a different awesome. vibe uh, from... Because I always, like, that show is very, you know, we lock, people lock the doors, people are smoking joints yeah. and, and enjoying a comedy show. How do you find uh, pot crowds compared to other crowds? Uh, I find sometimes the, the comedians stick too much to pot material. Yeah. yeah. But it just seems like... Hey, these guys are just high and want to laugh at stuff. Right, Like, I right. watch Family Guy when I'm high, yep. but it's not all about being high. Yeah. So, but then everybody's like, well, it's a pot crowd. I want to do these pot jokes. Everyone, I don't know. So, watching it for a comic, I'm like, ah, come on, just do some regular shit. Yeah. It's true. Like, you do, like, when I first did that room, I was like, I don't know. I don't have any pot material. I don't think I can do this. They're like, no, you don't have to have pot material. You yeah. You just said it'd be funny. Yeah. And then I was, like, new to Toronto, and I hadn't been exposed to hanging out with Dave Martin, so I didn't smoke a lot of weed yet. Hey, hey, come oh, on, yeah, come on, come on. Last <laughs> night, it turned into sort of a roast for the Yeah, for the yeah. It was the, it was the owner's uh, but that birthday. stuff is, that, those rooms are crazy, because I had a three-minute laughing fit on stage. I couldn't stop laughing. That's so great. And then everybody else was laughing, and I'm like, this is unprofessional. Well, well it's like, they all know that you're high. Yeah, it's so yeah. and they think it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like, go there, baby. Yeah, Just yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> it was, uh, those, up. those are some of my favorite rooms in Toronto. And now, let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Darren is angry, Dave is incorrect, and Kathleen can barely contain her disapproval. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. And Kathleen McGee. And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Can you dig it? The great thing about the article is the only page is not stuck together. So repeat readings is possible. Anyone who jerks off to Playboy is has not been exposed to better stuff to jerk off to. <laughs> My grandpa had Playboys in his like coffee table. Yeah. And I remember going to I remember going to barber shops that had Playboys yep. sitting right out on the table. But I mean, if you picked up a Playboy, it's, it's not it's not it's not raunchy, it's not smutty, it's, it's anything. It's it's more artistic than anything. It's not like it's yeah. swank or something like that. Or hustler. I mean, Maxim Magazine, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but one of my first jokes was stolen from a Maxim Magazine. It was a street joke. Right. I didn't know we weren't allowed to do that when I first started. Right, and then right. that's a street joke. You can't do it. But it was from the pages of a Maxim Magazine. Do you remember what the joke is? Yes. <laughs> okay. And? Am I supposed to tell it? Or not? Yeah. It was, it's like a blonde joke. It was like a blonde brought her uh, dry cleaning into her dry cleaner. And uh, she said, I need you to get this stain out. And he said, come again. And she said, no, it's just mustard this time. Ah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Listen. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I should listen to my first recording because it's probably on there. It's embarrassing. Well, also, but there's so many comedy things that you don't realize that are, are taboos when you first start. Like I literally, cause I remember going, I remember doing like one of my first shows at Yuck Yucks and then there was the bar that everybody went to afterwards. And I literally had a comic do the one of the jokes that I did um, on stage in front of me as a part of conversation. Right. And right. I was just sort of like, it was sort of one of those moments of just like, hmm, that's kind of weird. I did that joke on stage last week. 
you know, and, and I was just like, oh, I, I guess that you could do that. This was before everybody got ashamed, like shamed for stealing jokes and it wasn't, um, because I remember even when I first started doing stand-up, there were a lot of like just civilians, as much as I hate that term, would uh, would be just like, hey, so where do you get your material from? Do you take it from other people? And then you're like, no, 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 you can't do that. But now it's sort of like, now with the internet and stuff like that, and all these comedy nerds, people know not to steal jokes. But in the beginning... Well, even if you watch the movie Punchline, she buys her entire act. Yeah. 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 Like in that, and and so like people are like, who do you buy your act from? I'm like, I don't buy my act. Like that, I don't know. Was that what it was like in the eighties? Well, I mean, there was there was a lot more of it. I mean, you know, as the decades progressed, in the beginning it was always bought jokes, and then slowly due to comics like Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul and these kind of comics doing their own material, their own thoughts, they kind of pushed through. Bill Cosby, uh, but you know what I mean. Then it started being it was a bragging right of writing your own material. So yeah, yeah, in the 80s, it still happened, especially those comics who weren't TV friendly enough that just wanted a couple of jokes to go on TV with, they would buy them. Well, and I also feel like now the new thing is like when we, when you guys were kind of like newer, it was okay to have the same hour for five years. Yes. Yes. Oh, and yeah. now everybody has to have a new hour every year. Like there were comics that were touring the same hour for years. Oh, de like decades. I There's still comics to this day. Oh, yeah. Still the attitude is, like, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. It's yeah. like 45. And, I mean, Roger Chandler, who's passed away a couple of years ago, had pretty much the same act for about 20 years. And I toured with Roger Chandler in Northern BC. So, you, you know. So, he, like, God he bless told him. The, he told me that Carrot Top stole his act. Well, I'm, oh. sure, I'm sure he feels that Carrot Top took a couple jokes. But, yeah. you know, no, I don't think every joke that Roger ever did was originally his either. There might have been some street jokish type things in his act, or they became street jokes after. Was he the he first person to set his chest hair on fire? I think he was. <laughs> I think he that was. That was a great party trick. Sure. That was a oh. Bob Angeli run. I did that with him. I remember I showed up in the parking lot of the bowling alley that the Comedy Factory is in, and I didn't know who Roger Chandler was. And he's like, oh, this is Roger Chandler. And he was like, he would, he had white hair. He looked he looked like a grandfather. Oh yeah. He was he was very nice uh, yeah. talking. But uh, we went we did Grand Prairie and Fort St. John, and in Grand Prairie in the casino, I was like, why is everybody looking at us like like looking at us funny? And I'm like, oh, he thinks I'm a hooker. Everybody thinks I'm a hooker with this right. dude. Right. It was pretty funny. I felt flattered, but. <laughs> sure. Grand well, Prairie that's... Grand Prairie hooker can't get better than that. Yeah. yeah that's. Well, that's... I, I don't know if that's better or worse. When uh, I was in uh, uh, Kelowna, BC, I went for breakfast with uh, Glenn Ottaway, and uh, the waitress thought that uh, he was my dad. So <laughs> I don't know what I would uh, crawl uh, under a rock uh, for first. I wish you would have said the waitress thought that I was his hooker. No, well, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why my first reaction is, oh, Glenn can do better than me, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can. Or did, not. I ever, did I ever tell you my story about meeting Sticks with Glenn? Oh, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. The band uh, Sticks. So there was a meet and greet, and Glenn knows uh, Gowan, who sings for Sticks. And in the meet and greet line, Glenn went first and shook everyone's hand, and then I went second. And I just kept telling each member of the band, uh, sometimes I don't wear pants. <laughs> One of them, so they actually kind of looked at me like I was Glenn's special friend. Like Glenn had brought me along to meet the band, 
So, like, they all kind of gave me this, like, oh, sometimes you don't wear pants, kind of like. <laughs> so, at the end, Glenn's like, what the fuck did you do that for? I'm like, it's a good story, isn't it? Now they sometimes think they don't wear pants. Next time, if we meet them, I'm not going to wear pants. And he's like, yeah, there's not going to be a next time. <laughs> that reminds me of the episode of Seinfeld where Mel Torme thinks that Kramer is special needs. Yeah. Do you think that, that episode would fly today if it was written today? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't think it would. I don't I even know if it would actually get written or not. But there was an episode of Just Shoot Me where David Cross was pretending to be uh, like a guy with special needs as well. And at one point, like someone goes up to him and says, hey, Cam, hey, what's going on? And then David Cross's character is like, no, 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 cut it out, man. I got a good thing going here. Mm. And then the people come back in the room and he acts special needs again. And Well, do you think that, um, like, the movie Tropic Thunder, you know, because they have that band plays Simple Jack, who and they oh. do a line oh, where, yeah. I mean, I didn't write this line, but they say, never go full retard. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, today is not, and that wasn't that long ago. And then also Robert Downey Jr. basically does blackface, but everyone is okay with it because he did a good job is what I've been hearing, but I don't know. Well, I think there's uh, a lot of that is they they know what they're doing in that movie is wrong and they're playing the character and everyone gets to like say negative things towards the character for doing it. So it's kind yeah. of like showing the why it's wrong. He may get a pass for it, but uh, the simple Jack thing, I showed my two sons. They couldn't believe it. Like, I can't this. So. I'm like, oh yeah, this actually was in a movie and it's called Simple Jack and all this. And I mean, I wonder if the movie with Johnny Knoxville where he, The Ringer would even be done oh, today. Yeah. Well, The Ringer I, might be different because there's special needs people in the movie. In the movie. I know that. that. Actually, and, oh. and it was directed by um, the two Fairley brothers who have a long history of working with special needs people. And it was also endorsed by I believe they're called the Down Syndrome Association of America. I'm not sure what their umbrella term is, but they okayed the movie. But that's still, a lot of people would be like, whoa, I don't know if I can watch this, you know, even though it is supported by them. But that's the problem then now, is like the people that it's actually about aren't offended. It's the right. people that are offended by everything that are suddenly offended. Right. Because I'm trying to remember the whole plot of that movie, The Ringer. Like, I know he, he joins the Special Olympics, right? Right, he wants to win a medal. Because I think he made a bet with someone that he couldn't win a medal in something. So he does it with the, the special needs and he grows to love them and realize what he's doing is wrong. And of course, at the end, it's all a big hug and everything is good. But they use a lot of special needs actors. Um, and like I said, I believe it's the Fairley Brothers, or at least they finance. I think there's like a whole series filmed with uh, people with Down syndrome as actors. And it's like, oh, everyone well, in it. I think it's called How's, I think it's How's Your News. Yeah. It's, uh, and I don't know, because there's a place called Camp Jabberwocky. Now, I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the Fairley Brothers or if it's Trey Parker and Matt Stone that do How's Your News, but it's like, there's a camp for like people with Down syndrome and special needs and stuff like that. Um, but, um, and then they, at the end of each year, do a sort of a mock TV broadcast news right. program yes. called How's Your News. And the one thing about The Ringer is, of course, everyone with Down Syndrome is sort of smarter than the and Johnny him. Knoxville character. Yes, yes. And they're, on the, they're properly on the moral side of things. Um, but there was, um, in like 2006, I think it was around 2006, maybe 2005, but there, was like a, there was like a wrestling character uh, in uh, WWE who was playing a special needs person 
and his name was Eugene. Wow. Oh, my dog. Wow. And, um, yeah, if you look up, and then he does the whole sort of like if he, when he's on the mic and he's doing a promo, he's like, well, you people, when you're doing this, and my favorite wrestler is this. But then when he gets in his matches, his moves are very technical, and, and he's a great wrestler, but he does speak this sort of, and the whole thing's like, they never got to the point where they kept the character around long enough for him to break character and say, this isn't me, I fooled all of you. And they never got to that point. But there was a couple parts in the in commentary where there was like one of the commentaries was referring to um, uh, Eugene and said, uh, yeah, you know, those people, they got a special kind of strength. And uh, it, it was, yeah, it's, it was pretty amazing that, that they could get away with that. But um, it, it, I, think that, I think that it's, I think it's going to start being very unnormal. Like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has played a person with Down syndrome, Juliet Lewis has played a person with Down syndrome. And now we have that new movie that has Shia LaBeouf in it. I'm sorry, I can't remember it right now. But it has a, a boy that has Down syndrome, and it is incredible. It's such a great movie. It's just, like, this the best movie ever. So I think that it's awesome that we're going to start seeing non-special needs people not being cast as special needs anymore. Like, they're finally putting people that should be playing that in those roles. And I just realized. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I watched the new MacGyver uh, TV show, and there, and one of the um, one of the field agents is a, a is a dwarf, which mm -hmm. of course you're sort of like, I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but it does catch you off guard because you're not you've never seen that before. Just like, I wish I could show you a photo. I, I have a clip of it on, on on my PBR, but like when you first see it, you're sort of like, whoa, wow, that's a that's a dwarf. But the thing is, it's sort of like. I'd almost want to, because she had to go through the ranks of all, like, police officer, detective, special yeah. agent, to get yeah. to that position. So I'm all more interested. I mean, are there any dwarf police officers? I'm sure there are, yeah. And I'm sure there's dwarf uh, doctors and dwarf, you know, like, veterinarians. I don't, why was it such a shock? Just well, because, I think it, because you, you've never, I've never seen it. I mean, if right. I've seen that, I've never seen that character before. But also, like, when I was watching it going, like, I would almost rather see the early years of this character, her going through those ranks of those levels of police work to get to that detective. But trust me, if well, you they, saw they, it, they've never been, they, little people have never been portrayed well in entertainment. No. I mean, you're never going to see that show, even though I would be interested in seeing that show. I mean, Peter Dinklage did a great movie called The Station Agent well before yeah. he was a star. It was a great movie. But, you know, then he is, it's, after that, not much really happened until Elf came along, and then there was that huge role in Elf, and, and so other shows then started having little people in them, but they're still not equal in, in showbiz, for sure, and they're always portrayed as elves, they're, you're never going to see, I'm surprised that they were, like you said, a detective in a show, because I, I understand why you're surprised by that, because I used to do Elf commercials, you know? Like, I used to work with them and talk with a lot of little people, and they were pissed off, and they were rightly pissed off. Like, there's, they're not just one facet of show business. They should be represented in everything else. But until a producer takes a chance, which I guess this show did, it's not going to happen. But I would love to see a show like that. Well, there, I think we're going to start seeing a lot, a lot more shows with, like, everybody in it. Like, just, like, the real world. Like, there are actual, like, you work with little people. You 
you work when I worked at Starbucks, we had this girl that would come in uh, once a week and work and she had Down syndrome and she was amazing. And it's just like you're going to start seeing more of this because I think the whole like ooh Hollywood everything's perfect is over. Like I think well, yeah. this whole even like with bodies and everything, like it's just become this thing where you know people want to see themselves on the screen. We don't want to see people that we aren't. I mean, of course, there's always going to be good-looking people right. out there that are getting a lot of the work, but we're we're finally starting to see just you now every everybody everybody is being represented. Hi, this is David Pride, and you're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. Knock, knock. Our guests today have been keeping a terrible secret from someone they love, and they're here today to get it off their chest. Now, this is John, who's ready to make a confession to his wife, Shannon. She's waiting right outside our studio, and she can't hear. So tell us, John, what will your confession be? I had an affair with our babysitter. All right. Okay. So, how old is your babysitter? Now? Yes. She's 20 now. How old? Shh, shh, please. How old, was, how old was she when you had the affair? 18. She's a... Okay. How long? How long? Okay, how long have you been married? Almost 12 years now. Okay. And how old is how old is your child? I have two. Okay. And they are four and nine. Four and nine. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let's bring out now your wife, Shannon. Okay. Here's Shannon. <laughs> Shannon, why do you think there's trouble in the relationship? We're both working odd hours. Um, he's working, I work early in the morning, he works late at night. Um, he's a little resentful of the fact that my brother's been living with us for the last two years. And um, we just tend to not want to talk things through and explode and it's just, it's communication we need to work on. I think it may be more than communication according to what John's telling us. Uh, well, John, go. Uh, if if you're choosing, I'm not here to tell you to choose this format to do it. If you choose this format, that's all your business. But go ahead. Uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, I slept with our babysitter. Hey, hey, hey! Stop it! Hey, stop it! Come on. Sorry, man. Hit him. Okay, hey, hey, please settle down. Come on, guys. I mean, lie to you like that. I don't even know what to say to you. Come on. I just wanted to be honest. I want to tell you. I'm really great way to start. 
Can you keep it a secret any longer? Sorry, babe. Why? Why would you? Why would you take till now to do it? And I have to ask you again, which is the question, frankly, which boggles my mind as we do shows like this, is why would you choose a television show to tell your wife something so intimate? A little safer, maybe. <laughs> safer? Oh. Did you have any inkling? Did you have any inkling about what he was doing with the babysitter? I don't even understand where this is coming from. Do you know which babysitter this is? Have you had like one regular one? Not for two years. My brother's been with us. So this was two. How many years? This was two years ago. Do you remember who the babysitter oh, was? Jesus, no. Well, she's here. Oh my God. And her name, her name is Cindy. No. Okay, and here, here is Cindy. So, Johnny, we wanted to bring you on because it's been a number of years, and a lot of people, especially the new generation of comics, have no idea of your past and the giant thing that happened, and it was almost like a, what's the term, um, a lightning bolt in a bottle moment for show business. Because uh, you and three fellow comedians went on the Springer show and pretty much killed that whole business of reality television. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, also we should bring up the fact that Kathleen was in a conversation with someone who, who never even heard about it. So yeah, the... I, I was talking to a comedian in Edmonton named Natasha Lynn Miles because she posted how these comics go on court TV just to get TV credits. They make, they make a fake... And she's like, these people are really flexing to get work. And then I'm like, oh, you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> and she's like, I want to see it. I want to see it. And I didn't. So I asked Darren because I know Darren knows yeah. where it is. But yeah, tell everybody. <laughs> I can't believe it's been 25 years. I was thinking about it the other day when you yeah. brought it up, Busty. And I, I yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 25 years ago. And it, you know, it all started as just a joke, really. Us going on the show and and hoaxing it, and you know, because as comedians, we'd get home late at night, and that was one of the shows that was on. Jerry Springer was on two yep. in the morning. We'd, yep. you know, we'd gather after our respective gigs and watch this thing, and just how ridiculous it was. And uh, and one of those nights, after a lot of imbibing, imbibing is that the right word? Yeah, imbibing, imbibing, biting. Uh, yeah, he called and he asked for tickets. That was the first call. And then uh, when I left the room, he called. Uh, there was a, a thing that had come on the TV. They always had their their topics come up. You know, like if you here's the topic was: if you know someone that has slept with a babysitter, uh, or if you have yourself, call one eight hundred two nine Jerry. And uh, when I left the room, he uh, my room. Wait, wait, wait! I'm, I'm going to call that number right now. One eight hundred two nine Jerry. Okay. I, I bet you it's still active. I bet, I bet it's it an is. Phone number now. I bet it uh, is. Uh, but anyway, he he left my name as the guy who slept with the babysitter. And left this this huge story, uh, and then hung this up by the time I came back in. Was What's this that? Ian or was that Ian or Chuck who did that? Uh, it's Ian. Yeah, I lived with Ian Sarota and then Shannon Lappy at the time. Uh, two great comedians, and uh, yeah, he left my name. We laughed about it. I'd forgotten about it completely. Monday morning at 11 a.m. because we'd watch Springer at 11 and 2 a.m. Ridiculous. Because <laughs> we our careers were taken off, and uh, and uh, we're watching uh, Springer. 
the phone rang and it was them calling about tickets. And then on the call waiting went, okay. and it was simply the other side of the office calling about the story idea he had left. Right. So two people in the same office talking to our line. And then, uh, yeah, Ian hung up on that guy, handed me the phone. I knew nothing of what he had left. Whatever ridiculous story Sorota had left. So I said to the guy, I don't know what you're talking about. And he read the transcript back to me. So this ridiculous story that Ian had left, it was all laid out for me, and then he just started asking me questions, and I answered with the most ridiculous answers, um, <laughs> thinking they'd just hang up. But it just got better and better and better. Uh, to the point where I think it was, well, it was Minnie, Minnie Holmes, that called, and we told her the story. We're all very close. And she said, oh, I have an idea. Let me call uh, this guy and say there's two sides to every story. And I, that was the hook, right? That was the one that brought them in. Because she said that, you know, I still loved her. It's all make-believe, but, you know, I still loved her. I still called her. And that made it even better for them. That was a Monday. By Wednesday, they were talking travel arrangements to Chicago. And so we had to create this even more elaborate story that we never thought would go anywhere, except for maybe, maybe the show. If we got What's down. the gist of the story? Can you just kind of give the story? Yeah, that I had slept with a babysitter who was... 18, I think, at the time, because we had to keep it legit, not illegal. <laughs> and Minnie Holmes was the babysitter. Yes. Minnie played the babysitter, and she looked like she was 15, right? She yes. still does. She's 15. Yeah. And so I don't know how old she was even at the time, but she wasn't 15. Yeah. Anyway, and um, she, uh, so I slept with the babysitter. She was 18 at the time. I had a wife and two kids. I was, um, yeah, I was trying to have it, I was trying to keep, be in love with her and still have this family happening at the same time. Um, and they told me it was a show about putting the uh, secrets, uh, opening secrets about your marriage. And they told my then fake wife that it was a show about putting the love back into your marriage. Oh, okay. Now so this you, went in, you went on the show. You, yep. tell your, you tell your wife you're sleeping with the babysitter. That's your secret. She yep. supposedly thinks it's about you know bringing your marriage together or whatever. And yeah. then... They bring out Minnie almost right away as the bad person in the equation. The, the editing, that's the best part of those shows. The editing is the best, right? Because they, uh, they brought us to Chicago. They brought us to the studio. Um, still telling her it was a show about love, putting the love back into your marriage. Uh, me knowing the whole time it was not. Um, they never asked us for ID because my name's Johnny Gardos. I was the only one with my real name. No, I guess Sorota did, and Matt and Catherine Holmes. Uh, but she was Sue Gardhouse. Her real name was, uh, no, Shannon Gardhouse. And her real name was Sue Mir. Right. So that, that was a whole bunch of stuff that happened with that. But I knew at some point they were going to ask us for ID. And they didn't ask us for ID until we were actually in the studio. And Sue played the Canadian wife so great. She had her purse clutched. Oh, we left all our ID at the hotel. Chicago's so dangerous. And they were like, all right, sure. Uh, and then it brought me up first, laid it on the crowd. This was John. He had an affair and his wife telling her for the first time today. Uh, they hated me. And then about, you know, after the crowd got it out, um, you know, five minutes, they brought Sue out about love of your marriage. Then tell her it's not. So it's secrets. John is a secret. I tell her she freaks out. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Freaks out. Like sobbing. I thought she was having a nervous breakdown. And then about, you know, I'd say about 10 minutes after here and there. Then she comes down a bit. Then they bring up Minnie, who's the babysitter. And just, I guess, adrenaline, I guess, and the fakeness of it all. Sue sobbed even more. Then they brought out Sirota, 
because there had to be a place Minnie's boyfriend. But there had to be a spot for him, right? So we said, okay, she's not going to come on, or she did, unless Ian comes with me. I need him as support. And then he was great, too. He started the whole thing. You call my house, you hang up. How do you know it's me? I got called to play, you fucking idiot. Like, it was just, it was the best. It was the only line we prepared. <laughs> and I can't believe I didn't laugh. But that's, and then, and then it just kind of, it spiraled out of control from there because she was so upset uh, that they took us off the air because uh, they thought she was having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Wow. I, she, was she just couldn't control herself. It was right. the motion was over. Now, this was sort of still at, at a time where John, where, uh, where Jerry Springer was trying to pass itself off as like a legitimate show. Yeah, like, a little, like I, a little edgier Oprah or a little crazier Geraldo, if you can actually say that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they allowed the fights. They allowed that one extra step, right, of just craziness of letting people scrap it out. And like, was like, this the, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but was this before they tried to do the whole Jerry Springer too hot for TV? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it was before those, that. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. It was before that, so it was sort of like they 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 tried to pass themselves off as a legitimate show yes, with these yes. real stories, and we're not coaching them. But how much how much coaching did you did you have any coaching? Yeah, it was funny because they they the story was great in itself, right? For comedians and and you know uh, comic actors putting together story, it was a great story. The coaching came when I was actually in Chicago, and I said just to see what happened because. This isn't a secret. I wore a wire for everything, just to cover our asses. Uh, but also, yeah, cover our asses. But I wanted to see what would happen if I said no at the last minute. I said no about two hours before the car came to pick us up at the hotel. And the guy that had called me and I said, I don't think I can do this. He's like, I'll call right back. And two seconds later, literally, the executive producer called. And he basically would be coaching me through that. He was telling me. You know, it's Sue there. I'm like, or Shannon there. No, tell me when she comes in the room. And then he went in this whole thing of, you know, it's horrible, John. If you tell her in the hotel room, she could kill you. She could go back to Toronto and take your kids. You've never seen him again, John. You know what you got to do, John? You got to go on television. You got to tell her on air, John, because it's safer. And, you know, coaching me on how to do it, how to say it, how to, how, you know, how to not be scared. Um, Was this yeah. before or after the Jenny Jones murder? Before. And that, okay. that's yes. way down the line, because that comes back. And, yeah. and they bring us in to talk about it, because it's the exact same thing where they tell one person one thing, and yes. exactly about this, right? And, and, you know, quite if we were real, if we were a real couple, I mean, whatever, but I mean, it could have been way worse. And there was a couple on that show, <laughs> so Springer, though, twin brothers, uh, one of the brothers' wives, she was banging both guys. Uh, and she got pregnant, and the brother thought that she would leave her husband, his brother, for her. Anyway, long story short, she stayed with her husband, the guy's brother, and the guy was devastated. Now I never looked it up, but I mean that could have quite definitely turned into something very right. serious. Now it, the show airs, and the beauty of the show is you guys all stay quiet. But um, Andrew Clark, who is a, a writer and a comedy kind of historian up in Toronto. Wrote an article for the Sun, wasn't it? Was it the it Sun or the Star? Slow Tech. It was Slow Tech. Slow Tech. He it was one of those things where I had that haircut, and you know, doing shows. Right? I was I was playing a guy. I guess I'm old, as as old I'm, as I'm now. And I Shannon had cut my hair to look like a receding hairline. So I had this whole thing going on. It was really hard to explain to people, especially doing shows. Right. Uh, so it was like I told somebody in confidence, you know, hey. 
here's what's happening. Don't tell anybody until it airs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then comics, right? Hey, yeah, right. Don't tell everybody. And it's on, it's on. And then somebody was talking to Slow Truck, like, hey, you got to watch Springer Monday at 11 a.m. He's like, why? Just watch it. Because he right. knew us all. I think the only one he didn't really know was Sue, mm -hmm. Sue Mir, but he knew Minnie and I, and, and sort of for sure. So when he watched it, he knew it was full of shit. And he called them that morning to say, hey, would you like to comment on the show you're hoping on this week? And they, they just said, no comment, hung up. And there's the kicker. This is what made him really mad, is that they looked at the shows for the week, and they looked at ours first and went, well, it can't be this one. She's devastated. That's too real. Right. And, I, and then they looked through them all, and they pulled the wrong one. And they aired ours three more times across North America. Oh, wow. And that's what really pissed them off, because that cost yeah. them money. Right. So what happened when they found out that you guys were fake? Uh, so they, they immediately started scare tactics in a sense of just like, we're going to sue you. Um, and that came through the press. We didn't even, I don't think we received any formal notice of the lawsuit, but through, through the press, people saying, no, the Springer show said there's going to, they're going to sue you. So what's your, what are you, what are you going to do? And I think our, our thing was, you know, like Kathleen, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know how big it was going to be. I think the thing we thought it'd be the back page, right, your, or somewhere in there. Yeah. It went think, viral before viral was a thing. Yeah, it was, oh, it yeah. was and, like there were camera trucks on the front. Uh, you know, we're in a quiet residential neighborhood. We were already kind of the weirdos in that neighborhood. Then all of a sudden, you know, there's camera trucks and camera crews and like something you see in TV. It was it was mind blowing, and so it blew up that way. And it, and it went it not only went coast to coast. It went. It went all over the world. Worldwide. Worldwide. Oh. You, I mean, you guys were eventually on 2020. I remember yeah, that, that interview was, that you guys did. That was direct all of the cat, uh, Jenny Jones thing. Yeah. Right? Now, but but it, we were getting calls from Australia and Spain and England. And, like, it was so weird. And then just, like, my hometown newspaper calling. And, and you know, that was that was something. It, so, I guess, after it broke, we were lying. It just went, yeah, it went viral before it was viral. It, was, it just was everywhere. And it was hard to escape it. Well, this was sort of at the same sort of time that, like, Springer was trying to still pass it. Yeah, like I said, like, it's still trying to pass itself off as a legitimate show. And and, and so they must have been worried that the, it's going to, this is going to blow our cover, even though people sort of still started to talk about, oh, these, these stories are fake and they're not real people and they're actors. And, and Springer was wow. trying to be like, no, 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 this is all real. And, and, and then, too, as well, like, they were worried – he was personally right. I can tell you that for a fact. Like a mini, uh, Sue and I overheard him say to the director that they, they, we were going to sue them, and they were super concerned that they were going to face litigation. So, he oh, was, you mean because of because they you have your story, like yeah. because the wife broke down so hard that yeah. if this was real, Spring would be sued yeah. for the emotional distress. So yeah, and I think that, and that's and that, like you're saying, Dave, they they wanted to portray themselves. As a legit kind of talk show, not this right. circus it became. So it made them be that made them even more angry. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that you know now we're really going to sue them because they were right. not they they fooled us so well, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, they were they were definitely uh, it was concerning. But then again, we had no money at all. Now, now that, it's, that been, it's been twenty five years, and since yeah. then, how often do you either get recognized from it? Or it's brought up. I mean, obviously, in the last couple of years, not as much. But that first five years, I remember being around, and 
a lot of people would always bring it up. In the beginning, it was it was a thing, like, you know, and and I, and and I wish I wish we we didn't make anything off it. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest about that. We we did have some legal well, pieces. You, wait, you got on the Mike Bowler show. I did. <laughs> yeah, that's only because I can't remember the guy that canceled at the last minute. Who was yeah. that? I don't remember. <laughs> But we were in the audience. David Suzuki, maybe, you know. Yeah. He took a big vegan shit somewhere, and that was news. That was it. I mean, look, I got stuff out of it, um, but I was too, I wasn't ready for it. Like Saturday Night Live, Matt TV, that came, that was a direct result, those auditions of of the Springer show. Matt TV only wanted to hear the story. Legit. They brought me down to New York. We spent half an hour talking about the whole thing. uh, And then I had to ask them, hey, can I I read? Because they asked me to go. And then Saturday Night Live was just overwhelming. It was just, I wasn't ready for that. Years later now, cut to 2020, I mean, no. It's one of those things that comes up at a dinner party. Well, Johnny was on Jerry Springer, or, you know, somebody at work will bring it up or something, and then it turns into, oh, my God, I've never seen that. What? Um, that's about the extent of it. Um, yeah. 25 years. Well, but I mean. Have your kids ever seen it? No. Are they ever going to be allowed to? No, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it'd be funny. But I mean, it's so funny that those shows don't, I don't know, they, they're not, they don't resonate with the kids nowadays. And, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think it's because it's kind of clear that it's, it's all, that they, yeah, that most of the, most of the stories are fictional or they're hugely, hugely exaggerated. And, and now it's not even a matter of like, are the stories embarrassing or, uh, but people yeah. are just, now people are more amazed that people are going on TV and telling I these think, stories but I, also I, I think it's i think it's just as much like it's just people are just desperate to get on tv and so they'll tell anything so it doesn't matter if it's fake or or or, or what to them but I, I compared springer show to wrestling in the beginning they were like no 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 it's this and then it's like there's no way we can stop this from now on now it's fake and it's all out let's go crazy let's have strippers every episode let's have midget tossing let's have crazy and if it everyone knows it's just entertainment now so it doesn't matter i think yours was the 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 like i said the lightning in the bottle that caused that moment for the springer show to be like we can't hold it back anymore there's just too yeah. much proof you guys, I, I, were, you guys were the Fonzies that jumped the shark. Yes. Gary Springer. Yes. And then it, became, it was it was happening, Dave. And then and then the like the kind of pulling back the curtain. But then what really burned the whole thing down was the was the Benny Jones thing because they tried the idea that no no, no we're all legit we never lie mm-hmm. but Jenny Jones and Springer shared a studio and a production office so it was right. all the people right yeah with the exception. Of producers uh and that's what they were getting at and they still they still tried to say they were legit right up until that 2020 uh interview and the guy his name i can't remember his name off the top of my head george washington which is classic um <laughs> i think it was his name um he still stated on air that that they never lied or they never never uh not truthful they were a legit show um and like i said i i recorded everything every conversation i have with those people and i watched his interview and they had a technical issue so they stopped for a second he came over to the craft table and wasn't going to talk to me obviously but i said hey i'm gonna give you a heads up i'm gonna give you a chance to correct yourself that was steve wilkos there when you were there <laughs> oh yeah he, he got see that and that's that's another reason they went non-legit he got a show steve you know um there sure, everybody gets a show it's not you know you don't have to be a yeah. legit journalist or the former mayor of cincinnati with like jerry was like you you can be whoever you can be steve security guy 
Um, I think that like talk shows in the eighties and nineties are just so fascinating. Like just from, I remember watching Donahue with my mom. Stringer wanted to be Donahue. That's, and that's right. He had a legit chance to be that, but they made that turn of just the stories were so crazy. Let me tell you something right now for the record. I would fuck anything to get on a Camilla Scott. If I could get on the Camilla Scott show. Oh. Oh, I remember the Camilla Scott show. And I also love Camilla Scott. I love Camilla Scott. Yeah, Jonathan. No, Jonathan was different. Jonathan was great. I'm not hacking on Camilla Scott. I just use that as the Canadian example. But, you know, uh, those shows are those shows. They're not even on anymore, really. They're all. Completely like Ellen is kind of taking over that kind of yeah. marketplace of midday talk shows. Yeah, it went from being like regular crazy people to now just like the Tonight Show during the day. Like they stopped doing Ricky Lake. They stopped doing. Well, they still the- have it. They still have Steve. Ben- that Steve Wilco has a show. There's a British guy that does his version of the show. Oh, that's Jeremy worldwide. Pye. Yeah, Jeremy. Yeah. But they're all syndicated. They're not, you yeah. know, an NBC or an ABC product anymore. And Springer's still on, too. Get so. all the weirdos you want for nothing. You know, you have right. to have TV. You know, that's, and that's, I think that's a huge factor in what makes shows like that kind of irrelevant. In sense of that. I think the biggest crime in all this is that you, Johnny Guardhouse, did not get your own talk show in Canada. Yes. Out of the, they dropped the ball on that in Canada. I agree. Oh, yeah, right. I oh, it's, right. it's funny that, like, I mean, now people can make legit careers out of, like, you know, pulling the wool over uh, over a TV show's eyes and then just be and pranking people like that. If this um, happened today, you all would have been famous from it. Like you would oh, have all yes. thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers all over social media. Yeah. Well, look at Chair funny. Girl. Look at Chair Girl. Chair Girl is going to be a bigger star than these four people that went on that show. I can't I, stop looking at Chair Girl. People, we we not for lack of trying. You know what I mean? Like we we. Like even Sorota and I wrote uh, a made for TV uh, for CTV, and yeah. in the end they decided to pass on it because it just wasn't something they, they wanted. To they got to bring story. it back, man. Oh. They got to bring that back. I don't know why they don't fucking bring this. This story is a very big story, and it's Canadian, and it's yeah. typical Canadian. They're not interested in it unless someone dies or America goes. Ooh, that's a great story. And it's not well, even ridiculous. It's not even the most ridiculous thing in America now anymore. Like it's it's way down the bottom five. But it was the start. It was the, one of the f- first start. It, in, in television terms, it, it changed the whole marketplace. People uh, don't uh, understand how big that was. Well, what's what's funny too is that like uh, there was a Jerry Springer movie that came out that was like I think around like the late nineties. It was after your your thing, but basically the same the premise. Basically, what you guys did in real life was the basis of the story in Ringmaster, the Jerry Springer story. So it was sort of like the Jerry Springer show sort of like pulled the curtain back from themselves once you sort of did it for them. And then they were sort of like, yeah, we're all fake. This is all bullshit. And so it's like, I I don't even know if Jerry Springer tries anymore. But yeah, in Ringmaster, it was basically they showed this sort of trailer park family that was watching the Jerry Springer show and then just decided to make up a story and got on the show. And then, you know, chaos ensued and, and all that stuff. Um, I was just curious though, as uh, like, was there any sort of, uh, like, did you notice any coaching of the audience when you were on the show or uh, were you pretty yeah, much? I mean, yeah, he, that? yeah he, I mean, he really, uh, they hyped them up before you get out there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's John, he's about to sell his wife because he's had an affair with a babysitter. And they go, bananas. <laughs> now, the wife's up for his booth. I'm standing backstage. They've separated us at this point. They go, oh, they just want to work on my mic. Lock her in there. Tell the people so that I hear it like, oh, shit. And then they go, we'll be right back. Bring me out. So like hisses and stares and boos. And then another guy comes out and he gets them going. This is John. Remember, John, he's up with the babysitter. And they're like, ah, they get them all riled up. And then they come back and the crowd's all going bananas. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be like being in the audience and the price is right. Come on, come on, come on. What's that? It's got to be like I've been in the audience at the price is right. And you do lose your mind. All of a sudden you're there. And it's so exciting. So I can, and like people go to Springer, people go to Maury so that they can scream and cheer and like boo. That's why they go. You know, the best part about it was finding out via our lawyer all the little weirdness, uh, weird things about Springer that he, he used to do too, like for that audience. Uh, people who looked like they were going to be goofy banana pants, uh, they'd, they'd put them, you know, in great camera positions. Everywhere Jerry stood in the audience, if you watch the show, you'll see this. Everywhere he stands and talks, there's a, there's a beautiful woman there. Right. Because right. he wants to they go to commercial, whatever he, be, he wants to be able to go, I'm a slimy weirdo. Like he wants to talk to them, right? right. So that's, that were a few things, but yeah, the hype thing too. If they look, somebody looked like they had signs or they were going to go bananas. They put them uh, close to uh, where they'd be on camera. Okay, so, so we just got people. about two or three more minutes. I just yeah. want to touch on the story. So it goes years by 1999 um, in New Orleans at the Napsi Convention, which is the world's largest TV convention, uh, where all these producers go to sell their shows to international markets. If people don't know what it is. So all the stars of TV shows are there. And if you own a TV station or a big producer, you pay a fee, you can wait in line to meet celebrities. So, of course, Johnny being the con man, and we'll talk about that in another episode, he gets us all into this convention for free. And there's oh, a line. Pre-9-11. Let's say that. It's pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. And there's a line up to get your photo taken with Jerry Springer. So the day before... Me and Johnny are walking through this aisle, and Jerry comes with his, like, kind of posse, and Johnny starts yelling him, hey, Jerry! And me, too. I had this whole thing where I yelled to people, like, uh, little Dare Frost got bite! Little Dare Frost got bite! Like, this, I just kept yelling at people. And, you know, Jerry's like, ha-ha, laughing and waving at Johnny. So the next day, we're all waiting in line to get a picture taken with Johnny. Now, I'm assuming, Johnny, you have not seen him. He knew he knew me in that thing. We right. Right. He was so like, I know you. And I'm like, oh, you're Jerry. And, yeah. And we'll talk yeah. later. Oh. Yeah. So the next day we wait in line to get a picture one-on-one. And Johnny goes, I'm going to do what you do. What are you going to do? I said, don't worry about me. Just do your thing. So, Johnny, you go up to him. And as you're shaking his hand, what does he say to you? So I, I say to him, he's all happy. And I yeah. say, oh, Jerry, we've met before. And he goes, I know, I know. I saw you yesterday. And like, yeah. this is a firm handshake. A very yeah. shilted like, good to see it, type of thing. Uh, I said, well, no, actually, Jerry. And just as I was about to tell them, the guy with the camera was like, gentlemen, and we, we both turn, right? We, we shake hands and smile. And I wait till he's finished the autograph of the pictures. He says, thanks a lot, Jerry Springer. I go, yo, Jerry, I was actually on your show. And he turns to look at me, and I said, I, I uh, screwed the babysitter. Told my wife for the first time on TV. Anyway, uh, uh, and the, like, night and day, the look on his face. Because every every picture is smiling except for yours, Frosty. Yeah, because so then Johnny just runs off, right? And I'm I with that. I'm with this, hey, I'm Darren Frost, and I'm a big fan, like this. And he's just like, 
<laughs> with Jerry, he's just like not even there. He's still processing what just went down. Should we call security? And I'm like, in the photo, and Jerry's like, and then yeah. was, and then a month went by, month or two maybe, and I bullshitted my way into the uh, Sky Bar through the mm -hmm. VIP entrance, uh, and I'm walking in, and who's walking out? But Springer, this beautiful woman, and he's walking by me, and he, we make eye contact, and we don't stop, but he, he knows he knows me. So he's very polite, show busy, like, hello. And I'm like, Jerry. <laughs> and, we each other, and as we, we both were passing, we both look over our shoulder, and I'm like, and he has this look in his face like, how the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Who's this guy? How does he get in these places? That's I bet you you haunt his dreams. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I also, after that, I did want to track him down here and there. Yeah, it's for, he probably had the same expression on his face when he realized that you, you shouldn't pay for a hooker with a personal yeah. check while you're there. That's what I going to say. That, yeah. that lawsuit. Finding that out was unreal. Yeah. Hey, this is Erica Sigurdsson. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius FM. XM. XM. Yeah. Fuck. Don't worry. You know, we'll, Everyone's done it. Yeah, that's Everyone's okay. That's an FM. Hey, this is Eric Sigurdsson. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. That's great. Even though we'll probably use the one where you screwed up. <laughs> if you just joined us, this is a show where... Uh, people are telling someone in their relationship, someone they're married to, someone they love, a best friend, that uh, some terrible secret in, that they've been cheated on. Um, we have just had John uh, tell his wife, Shannon, that one, he cheated on her, and two, that his infidelity was with um, their babysitter. Um, and she is, she is here now. Uh, Cindy, why don't you come on out? Okay, Cindy. Uh, Cindy, the reaction of the crowd is because, which can't be that surprising, John has just told his wife uh, that he has been unfaithful to her, that while you were babysitting their child, I mean, during that period of time, that you two had an affair. Is that true? Well, I wouldn't really call it an affair. Okay, tell me what, tell me what happened. Well, we uh, accidentally slept together. <laughs> Tell me about, okay. Sure. All right, tell me, easy, easy. Well, tell me about, uh, you say accidentally, What? how did it happen? Well, um, it certainly wasn't, you know, anything I ever thought would happen or was well, going to happen. Okay, how did it happen? Go ahead. Well, um, I used to babysit for them. Yes. And um, one night after I had babysat, he was working the night shift, so he drove me home. And uh, so it was cold out, and we were sitting in the car, and we were talking, and then we just... Uh, Started kissing and. Okay. Anything you want to say to uh, uh, Shannon, his wife? Shannon, I know I, I can't take back what I've done, but I never meant to hurt you or your family. 
sense. That's the only reason I came here was to, to clear it up. Let you know it's not an ongoing thing. It's just something that happened, you know, and I regret it deeply. You know, I like his children very much. You know, my mother knows her. John, what do you want to uh, say? And then Shannon. I'm really sorry, babe. I'm worried, and that's what I want to tell you now. We want this to work, won't it? Oh, yeah. Relationships. Please don't honesty and trust, John. And if I can't trust you and you can't be honest with me. I want to be honest. That's why I'm doing it. You know. <laughs> I love you, babe. Jerry, really? oh, yeah. The what? He still phones me. He shows up at my work at least once a month. Yes, it is true. Yes, it is true, and you know it. I made a contact her a couple times. And what do you contact her about? I still. I love you. You know. Oh, I've never said that. I've never said that. You're such a liar. No. I've I don't never want anything said that. to do with them. And me or my boyfriend. I've been going out with a guy for a year now. I told him the story because this is before it happened. It's just something that happened when I was younger that I regret. We don't want anything to do with them. He comes into my work, he phones, he's hanging up on me, hangs up with my boyfriend, talks to me, let's go out for coffee, I still love you. you guys I've mind? never said that. I've never said that. Yeah, right. Ian is your current boyfriend? Yes. Okay, boyfriend. here's Ian. Okay, 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 okay. What's your take on all this, Ian? I came around after all this happened, and I just want this guy out of our lives. How do you think he's still in your life? Because he calls my house all the time. If I answer the phone, he hangs up. John, why, uh, I, but why are you not me? I mean, that's called display, you idiot. Hey. And that's why we Okay, hold on. All right, well, am I unmuted? There you yeah. go. Now you're unmuted. Hey, Frosty! <laughs> so we just we just spent a half an hour talking to Johnny. We got the basics of you know the show and what happened. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because even though in reality Johnny is the kind of bad person in this story because he fucked around on his wife, from the audience perspective, you were seen as the devil person and i remember talking to you about it how the, the crowd is a lot closer than you think and they were very anti-mini that day weren't they oh they were they were uh they said actually to that at that point because jerry spring got a lot crazier after we were on obviously right but they said to that date that was the craziest episode they ever had they had to get security for me to watch me because there was like like actually i have the unedited version of the springer show they had to give it to me for uh, discovery because multimedia sued us, right? Right. So right. I have the unedited version of all the shit they cut out, and oh. you should see. I should, I'll give it to you. Yeah. You should see like the the women in the audience, like one girl says, "Throw her in the trash." Hi, Kathleen. Hi. You know what? So do you. Um, I just find it hilarious and typical. Oh, you're bringing up. Uh, uh -oh. uh, yeah, sometimes she cuts out. Give her a second, it'll come back. But uh, let's, yeah, I, I want her to make this point because I think I know what her point's going to be. So let's hopefully she comes back in. Can you hear us, Kathleen? You got a mansplain to Frosty? 
Yeah, no, I'm not going to mansplain it. <laughs> there we go. You're back in. Go well, ahead. Of course, because you're the woman, you're the villain, even though you weren't married. Right. You're the villain, of course. And, I, and women probably hated you even more. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus I threw in that we accidentally slept together line, which worked out <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hi. How you doing, buddy? I'm all right. I'm all right. And also yeah. the fact that, that they had to get, you know, you slipped in the line that he got you drunk. Yes. Well, oh, that yeah. was the best part, too. He got her drunk, and I was like raging alcoholic at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but what's really funny is everyone hated you, but if the story is true, you're a 16-year-old girl. I know. You know what, actually? What if that was today? Right. In today's culture. It would be actually a completely different scenario. Like with Scalia, right? Right, they'd, right. They'd be, like, it wouldn't be so light. Like, back then it was like, ha ha, like, this is so fun. Like, it was funny, you know? Right. But if you do look at the deeper meaning, yeah, you definitely have a good point there that people would react completely differently now. Well, like, it's like you know, a porno come to life. It's like a porn come to life. Yeah. So, I feel like I'm high. There's like so <laughs> many different things going on at the same time. <laughs> She said it's like a porn coming to life. The whole story. It's like a porn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we got a lot of press out of that. Uh, I'm surprised because as you know, like I'm almost surprised you weren't even involved in it, Frosty. Like you were so close to the situation. Like you were literally our best friend. You still yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where it was like, like I just said to Johnny, I was messaging him. I go, can you believe that we're still talking about this? Like, it's just so funny that this thing has just affected our lives and like such a, a funny, positive way, you know. But we we kind of said to Johnny that like that that you guys as a, as a group were sort of like, you know, you you guys were you kind of jumped the shark as far as Jerry Springer goes, or you kind of cracked the you made a crack in the wall of reality shows, and sort of then the floodgates sort of opened, and there were some shows like Jenny Jones that still tried to pass them off as legit shows, but you guys were the beginning of the end of where reality TV or those kind of shows just said, uh, where they were just like, they threw their hands up in the air, were just like, oh, fuck it, let's just put on an entertaining show. Um, now, I asked Johnny this, but how did, like, were the crowds, because the crowds now you watch the show and they seemed really rehearsed, and, like, they had the whole Jerry chant, and then they had the whole boo, and, like, how, did you notice how well the crowds were trained? Like how much? Yeah, but Steve, like that guy Steve, who the bodyguard who has his own show now, he was yeah. on the show then, so right. he was like up on the stage. But they poked, they coaxed me from day one. Like as soon as it happened, they were like, they, it's, it's so, it was so easy. Like they just give you prompting questions. So he did this right, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, he did. So <laughs> I would just go along with what. Like we just wanted a free trip to Chicago. That is the funny thing. All we wanted was a trip to Chicago. That was it. Like we yeah. had, like we didn't expect to end up on 2020. Like we didn't expect like entertainment weekly gave us an award. Like we ended up getting like a lot of stuff. The other thing is, which Frosty and I were talking about this yesterday was about if it had happened now, like why did our agents not have us on the next plane down to Hollywood? But I instead know. we got pushed in a weird direction where it was like yuck yucks was like, you guys are going to headline next week. And we were like, what? I wasn't even off amateur night. And we were doing a sketch troupe, which we weren't, we did, we were literally sitting around going, what are we going to call ourselves? We didn't even have a name for our right. comedy troupe. Right. Um, 
So, Did you get a welcome basket from Jerry Springer? No, but I got a good picture of him. <laughs> he came in to give like a welcome to Jerry Springer show. Here's your fruit basket. Because they fly you out, they put you up. There was some funny stuff, like in the green room when the guy came in and he was like, uh, we need to get everybody's ID. And I'm like, I don't have ID. Because obviously I was Cindy, right? And then everybody in the room goes, I don't have ID. <laughs> like everybody was just sort of following our lead. And then Jerry came up and I was, and he was just so, you know, I slimy. Yeah, he was. And he was like, hi. And I was like, can I take my picture with you? And he was like, sure. And I was like, oh, this is gold. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have to sign anything saying that you were truthful or? Yeah, that's why okay. we got sued by multimedia because we signed. We, and that was the whole thing where Johnny and Sue were in a different room and me and Ian were in a separate room. So me and Ian are just signing these contracts saying, you know, about how much money we're going to be responsible for. And we're like, <laughs> signing our lives away. And who, who was Ian again? I, Ian so was the boyfriend. Your boyfriend. My jealous boyfriend. I just wanted Ian to go, so I was like, "Well, I can't go unless my jealous, unless my boyfriend comes because he doesn't want me around that psychopath Johnny." So, uh, so they brought. Must, him, so they brought must have made the producers go, "Oh wow, we got even more." Yeah, because I think the more layers they had, the more segments they can do, and the more they can hype this up as like, "All right, now when we come back, this is." You know, and it, it's, yeah, I mean, that must have made them more exciting because the more well, they can the, 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 the three best, for me, the three best moments in the whole thing, one is Sue having a complete breakdown. I mean, that is number one for sure. Uh, the, the second thing is when you added the, and he, he has to get me drunk. To, <laughs> that, that was a great line. And then Ian, what happens is Ian comes out, is introduced as the angry boyfriend, and he says to Johnny, quit calling my girlfriend. And Johnny's like, I'm not calling your girlfriend anymore. He goes, you keep calling and hanging up. And Johnny goes, if I keep hanging up, how do you know it's me? And Ian literally goes, I got call fucking display, man. It was so beautiful. And the crowd went nuts. It was the perfect yeah, tennis goes, Simmer down. Simmer yeah. down. That's what he was like. Simmer down, everybody. Uh, it was probably one of their best episodes because it was done so well. Because you guys were funny and you guys were salacious. Like, it was you done know, well. What happened, actually, was you want to talk about timing is everything. Is we did that and we were responsible for that show airing. So legitimately we were responsible for what we signed, like it was fraud, right? But Jenny Jones had people on at the exact same time, Dave, you touched on this, and Jenny Jones had them on and, and the guy said, it's because it was like, somebody's got a cr surprise crush on you. And he said, don't make it be a dude. Like it's not gonna be a guy, right? And he said, and they said, no, no, it's not. And it was his roommate, a guy. Yeah. Right. And he shot him and killed him. Right. So Danny, so all of a sudden there was this heat on reality. And plus in Chicago, the whole thing came out because um, Eric Zorn was watching the show. He had everybody had such a hate on for Jerry because that's where that was Oprah Land, right? In Chicago, all the talk shows were there. And Eric Zorn was writing an article about how horrible they had treated Sue. And then it went across the international wire that we were comics. And then Eric Zorn just freaked. And then he changed the article to the, the, the mice that roared. And then everybody just picked it up and ran with it at that point. But I think that saved it. And actually, I was at a wedding once, and I met someone that was a booker at the Maury Povich show. And she said, which this made me the happiest, she said that they now have a clause in talk shows because of and were referred to as the Canadians. 
Are you serious? <laughs> no matter you what. Like your history. Oh my goodness. I love it for all of us. They go, whenever they there's anything that's sketchy, they go, remember the Canadians. <laughs> why why that's this amazing. isn't a 10 part, why this isn't a 10 part Netflix show, I'll never know. I mean, there's so much to mine here and to talk about, and it would it could easily be like just a one-off 10 episode or six episode show, even if it's shot for a documentary of it. Everyone yeah. goes there, wiser, can talk about it now. It's a great thing, but of course, no one's- I'm literally gonna message my friend that does documentaries in LA after this episode, because I, I have been thinking about the whole time. This needs to be told. Like this, I know. This, old, this show that came about because there's a comic in Edmonton that talked about comics going on court tv and i said oh there's an even better story and it's canadians and this is why we're talking about it now yes, no, but nobody knows for whatever reason nobody really knows about this other than our core friends who still bring it up at a barbecue and laugh about it it's not it's never talked about in the history of comedy or showbiz when it's a substantial event but yeah. I, also, I also think it's just as much of a show about the history of television because uh, shit, hold on, sorry, this is not important. Oh. Uh, Thanks, uh, off today. Thanks, uh, well, I wish, but um, <laughs> the, uh, no, I don't actually. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> what, uh, what's, what's amazing about this is that you kind of really changed the course of television mm -hmm. in some ways because after your show, it really didn't even matter if it was real or not, it became more of an entertainment thing. And in the 20, and there aren't, I can, you know, it's now, it's sort of like, now they almost tried to reintroduce shows like Rosie O'Donnell and, and Ellen and these sort of like afternoon talk shows rather than the Springer shows and that sort of, because it was like a show, the Richard Bay show, and yep. then there was a couple of other weird ones, and the Montel Williams show, and then Maury Povich, and they're still all sort of doing that same old shit, but I mean, but you guys sort of put, made TV sort of grow up a little bit in some ways and uh yeah you, you changed the course where it was and almost so much has changed in both television talk shows and that sort of format of shows since you guys I did know. that what so. should happen now we'd have a reality show right <laughs> yeah oh, like yeah. we would have had a reality show or something like you something would have happened famous it would be it would be a big deal today yeah now, did that you I got the headline, a shitty week, which I wasn't unprepared, which I wasn't prepared for. Right. We just knew it was shit. Like we were rehearsing and I remember like running up to the bathroom and crying, you know, because oh. it was just like, I was so unrehearsed. Like it was just like pathetic. Plus we had the, the other thing, this is, a, this is interesting too. There's like, you're right. There are so many different dynamics. So everybody, cause we were getting sued. We all had alias as name. Like I went by Miracle Whip, right? And I'm like, because it couldn't be many homes because everybody would look like, but they hired right. servers from America that had to come up to Canada to find us. So we were literally doing shows and then running out the back door and stuff. So I was actually more freaked out because I was the one that was, I wanted to go to LA. And I, and so Ian was like, people were like, like Ian was like, I'm not saying sorry, which I fought him on. Now I 100% back him on what he said. He's like, I'm not apologizing to, you know, Last week, he had someone on the show from Mars. Like, give me a break, right? Right, right. So, um, so, I, so I freaked out, and I phoned Legal Aid in America, and I, said, I told them what happened. They were laughing their heads off, and they said, well, we can't do anything. But the, this guy said, but I have a friend, and he might take your, your case pro bono. 
So we ended up getting Rick Gearing, who was an amazing lawyer. And he worked for free for us just because he loved us. And he's probably one of the reasons that we ended up getting, you know, not penalized, shall I say. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think you're allowed to talk about it, but I know I am. I think you guys ended up paying something like a loony each. That was the final uh, amount that you guys all had to pay. Just legally, you had to pay something to say that you were in the wrong. All I know is we paid in Canadian pennies. Yes. I'm <laughs> yes. fucking yes. serious. We yes. did. Now, since since it's aired, have you had any interaction with, because I know Jerry and Johnny have run into each other, because we talked about that story a few times afterwards. Have you had any interaction with anyone from that? No, I've had some stuff, like I've done some stuff with MTV, like they had me on, like when Jerry Springer ruled the world, but they right. had me on that. So I've, I've had like a, a couple of like follow-up stuff with that. It mm -hmm. definitely was a good, I, I like I said, like I wish there was a reality show, but it was a good stepping stone when I went to LA because mm -hmm. I had a shitload of press. So yeah. I was kind of like, well, I just did this and everybody, everybody was like, it's such a good performance. So I would say it helped me a little. And it was the other thing too, it's not boring, like watching somebody's reel. Like people are like, yeah. oh my God, this is like funny. Like, it's like, this is great. Like, right. like even if I'm not going to hire you, I'll watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're a great actress because everybody believed you. Yeah, but Stu actually was going through a breakup, right? Not to, not to like shit on her acting skills because she's amazing. But like part of that breakdown was like real. Like it was so <laughs> real. You know, if they were guys concerned with me, but they're like, Minnie, don't take weed on the plane. And they're like stuff like that. And then, you know, I pull a joint out of my underwear. Ta-da! Like, <laughs> who's glad I brought this now, right? <laughs> but and it was also uh, Elvis's birthday. So when, right after we did the show, it was funny too, because I looked great. Sue's eyes were like swollen shut. Oh and yeah. And we Kingston Mines, and it was Elvis's birthday, and we had such a good, and we were in shock, and it was all like, don't say, like we couldn't tell anybody. You don't have to hold a secret too. We went out after and partied in Chicago? Oh, fuck yeah. We Ian and I, we had a per diem too. It's, oh, there were guys on the show called Rob and Bob, and they were twins. And one had slept with, uh, anyways, the wife. Yeah, Johnny Johnny told us that story. Yeah, oh, but the other couple. Yeah. So when we walked into the lobby, we saw them, and Ian just looks at me, and he goes, no, we're not hanging out with Bob. And I go, Bob? <laughs> like, so we just ordered, like, I remember we ordered, because we had this per diem in the hotel. Ian and I went back, we ordered steak, lobster we ordered so much food and then we just passed out and we woke up with like fucking food like all over the bed like just everywhere it was hell plus we were broke comics like that was like straight sure. like, well also what's, what's kind of funny about the whole thing too is like it was on um, like it was obvious i mean you know you guys were on before the internet before clips went viral and things like that so it's sort of like well, if people wanted to see it you actually had to watch it like at that time. So it's not like, and I think Johnny said that your episode re-aired three times mm -hmm. because they sort of screwed, because I guess they went back when they sort of found out that, oh, well, one of these stories is fake from our shows. They went back and they tried to figure out which one. So they pulled the wrong episode <laughs> and your episode ended up running three times. But that almost, I think the idea that you couldn't sort of see it immediately as soon as you heard the story about it you couldn't be like oh well now i want to watch that clip like now yeah. if, like now if you know something happened now if something happens you can just go on youtube a few hours yeah. later yes. and yes. see it's it hard to find though this clip it's hard to right. find it's not on it's not online anymore 
I know. We need to, you know, I, I, it's like we definitely, and you know what? The other thing too is this is great. I want to put this on my demo reel. So before the 2020 interview where they had us on 2020, Barbara Walters did a disclaimer before us and she said, I have nothing to do with the next segment. <laughs> yeah. Like, she was, like people were disgusted in us, like journalists and stuff, because we were fake. So I was like, I want to get all that stuff. Because you're right, all that stuff needs to go on the internet. Because it's just, even when we came home, it was like, even just for the Canadian comics, we're a small community and we don't yeah. get a lot of notoriety. It's just fun. And when we're all friends and somebody gets something, we're all just so happy for each other, you know? But it almost, I mean, it, I, I want to see it on the internet too, but it also kind of, I remember at the time, it sort of added to the whole allure and the mystery of it when you just heard about, oh my God, Minnie and Johnny and Ian, they all went on this show. Do you believe what happened? And, and uh, so it's like, as much as I like to, would love to see the footage, there's also that part of where you just sort of try to make up in your own head what could the footage actually have been at that time. But uh, Are you drinking, yeah. Dave? Are you drinking? No, I want it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do too. I do too. But so many I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to get someone in. This, I love this story, and I think it does need to be out there. Because yeah. we don't ever get enough attention for the cool shit we do here. Like, I'm not me, but, you know, this is such a great, yeah. it really changed the course of American television history or helped push it yep. like there's so much that's so cool about the story and it is so unknown it's crazy yeah i got a tv show out of it i got she's so funny out of it a tv show on female stand-up comedy that didn't exist before that that branch right. four years so i feel like you're right like a lot of stuff came out but again you know that's just it feels like that's how it is for canadians sometimes you know, with or without the internet i feel like this probably might have just a little bit disappeared like we were on Talk Soup, I think, and then a couple of things like that. I never, I never asked you this, but what did your parents think about it? My parents were out of the country, as usual, Frosty. My parents were out of the country, and they came back to just what my uncle, like all my relatives saw. Like my uncle was eating lunch, at, having a banker's lunch at the Nags Head, and he just looked up, and he was like, holy shit, that's my niece. And it was just, because I was like on in like every news station, but my parents missed it all. So again, with my parents, my parents have never even seen me do stand-up in my right. whole life. I was the same way, Mitty, you're not alone. Yeah. Man, no wonder we drink. Uh, <laughs> at the same thing. time can you blame them so you know. my mom sat in the front row of a roast for me mm. and uh my boyfriend was on the roast and he thanked my mom for having a great hole because she pushed me out of it and i was like nice wow <laughs> you don't necessarily want your parents to see <laughs> a roast that's pretty brave yeah. Yeah, it was a fundraiser for me. I was I was getting paid off of it, but it was I got called Java the Slut. That was my favorite one. <laughs> I feel like you need that merch. Yeah. I do. Java the Slut. Yes, yes, yes. That'd be a great t-shirt. I'd wear that. I'd buy it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. get this documentary made and I'm gonna get that as merch. Those yeah, are my right t-shirts. on. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I know I, I, I got an appearance on CP twenty four just when um like during the lockdown, I guess for a couple of days, the marijuana dispensaries were not open. So uh, I was walking past one of the dispensaries and there was a guy from City TV that just wanted to get some opinions from people about the whole weed shops closing. And so I said, OK, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you some I'll give you a sound quote. And and so he uh, you know, he got me to say a couple things. And then the next day, of course, my mom sees me on TV going like, 
well, I saw you on TV <laughs> in front of the weed store. No, no, I think she called it the marijuana shop. And uh, uh, I was like, yeah, that was me. And uh, so, yeah, so there's there's things that you're proud about being on TV. And then there's other things. You're oh, saying. I get weird stuff. Like I went to, Kathleen, you'll love this. I went to the gyno. And the gyno literally puts her head between my legs, puts her head back up and goes, you look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure you say that to everyone. Uh, <laughs> it can only, can only be so many shapes. It can, only, it can only be so many shapes down there. So isn't it? <laughs> I got interviewed by C-SPAN in Halifax, like the political channel, about the conservative um, convention. And I was wearing a Beavis and Butthead shirt. <laughs> and I was like, I think all conservatives are fucking idiots. And the guy loved it. He's like, we're going to air this so much. They're like, that's not the feel-good moment. We wanted her to be the feel-good moment of the night. <laughs> well, okay, we got we just have a couple more minutes now Minnie. i know that you're in new york city so i'm a, and i we talk all the time but just to let everyone know that you're you're safe and how are things in your neighborhood these days well it's it's weird because you know like all of us we've all been doing stand-up forever i moved to new york because of you know moved to new york who needs a big apartment you're never going to be in your apartment i was just i just got past at a couple of comedy clubs and everything just shut down. So, and you know what it's like, I'm gonna go to the bottom of the list. I know it because of course all the pros and headliners and you know, celebrities, they're gonna be getting all the spots. And uh, so everybody's doing shows outside. So they're doing shows at Central Park. Um, I did a show like the other day down in uh, the village outside. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. You know what? It's like even doing Zoom stuff. It's like we're outside doing stand-up in the middle of the day. Like, just feels freaking weird doing it, you know? Yeah, right. So, uh, so that I auditioned for Amy Schumer. So I, I had that, my hero. So I was, I don't think I got the part, but I'm excited I got to audition for her. That's so, good. so a right. couple of things. I feel like work is starting to pick up. It's just really slow. I feel like it's pushing us all in different directions, like more writing and stuff like that, because like all of us are. Our futures are pretty uncertain. I don't, I don't even know what to say to these people. It just, I've known her for six years and I thought she was a much better person than this. And I am really disgusted in you, Cindy. I can't believe you have children. That's the other take I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to even begin with John. Don't I, end it. You're smart. He took advantage of her. He's a kid. He feathered a beer. He what? He feathered a beer. He fed a young girl under the drinking age beer. Oh, I tell you what. Let's. We'll take a break. We'll come back. There's more to talk about here. Stay with us. I'm still seeing your brother. You are? Yes. Don't even talk to me, John. Don't talk to me. Don't you dare expect me to feel sorry for you right now. I don't. I don't give a how you feel. Don't. I don't want to discuss it right now. 
now back to the show. Assuming that no one is going to think that either what you did, John, or what Cindy did was appropriate, there are those who will say, in this guilt, and there's enough to go around here, in this guilt, though, you were clearly an adult male. She was still a teenager, um, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Certainly, more of the responsibility has to lie with you. You know, at 18, you can be very impressionable. And, and you could have taken advantage of her. Emotionally, you did. I'm not suggesting rape or anything else. I'm saying emotionally, you took advantage of an 18-year-old girl. I didn't her take judgment may have Jerry, been no. lousy, but... She, she was coming on to me. That's the thing. That's but how she's it started. a child. In fairness, she's a child, and you can, and you can say to a child... Jerry. She was 18 years old. Okay. And you couldn't say, no, this isn't appropriate. At the time, things weren't that great in our marriage. This tell me about, at the time, tell me about the, uh, what was going on at the marriage at that time. We're just constantly fighting. I, I, we worked different shifts, hardly saw each other. Did you ever suspect him of being unfaithful? I mean, I'm not talking with Cindy, I mean, just in general. Did that ever cross your mind during the bad times of the marriage? Did you ever say, boy, I wonder, you know, he's working a different shift. He's not home when I'm home. I wonder if something's going on. He's home late tonight. I wonder if he's out with anybody. Did that ever come up? He's, he has a couple of friends that aren't married, and I don't, well, I don't trust them because they just like to go out and have a lot of fun. But I never, I mean, they, they understand the sanctity of marriage, which... We just want him out of our life. That's all we want. What's wrong with you? He's married. You're 18 years old and you're sleeping with him? I'm 20 He's now. I don't care how the hell old you are. You're an idiot. Shannon, do you... Shannon, I don't... Ex can you conceive of the time that you could forgive him? I'm not suggesting you forgive him right now. You just found out. But... We've been working so hard to try to put our problems behind us. That's, that's why I'm wanting to get this out. Oh. Okay. Uh, let's take a break. Hey, this is Russell Peters, and I'm on Kathleen McGee's show, Anything Goes. Oh, yeah, Dave Martin and Darren Frost are on it, too. But I really believe that it's Kathleen McGee's show. Because she can squirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's on XM Radio, but I guess you knew that because you're listening to it. Oh, you know who? You know, actually, I mean, not like I want to, I don't know if I want to have this on the show, but you know, right. Rob Smith, you know, Rob Smith died? No, he didn't. Wow. Uh, Rob Smith, do you remember those Alexander Keith commercials? Where he was like the big Scottish Spilly guy. Talker. The I'm the spilly talker. Yeah, the spilly talker guy. And then he was then he was caught with a bunch of child pornography. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was just like and then basically his life just crumbled into ruins because like the, the day it happened, like his manager dropped him, his agent dropped him, his wife, you know, left him. And then and I his, think and his wife was a lawyer. I knew Rob. I worked with Rob. I worked with Rob only about two or three weeks before that happening. And we worked probably six or seven times over the course of five or seven years. Um, so I knew him well, like as a, 
you know, someone in the, in the industry. And we always talked about our kids. He was always, you know, so complimentary to me about my stand-up. And he was a big supporter and a good guy. And then all of a sudden, you just read this stuff and you're like, what? You, you know, you don't really know someone until you really know them. And it, it got really bad. about your kids? He was very complimentary about my kids. Ooh, you got some nice kids. Nice kids. Oh, God. Wow. I like it when you go to the beach with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, like, I, I, like how, I like how easy it is for me to take photographs of them behind a tree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a big celebrity death weekend. Well, it, yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't even talk about Regis dying. Olivia de Havilland, who was yes. the last living cast member of Gone with Gone the Wind, was four yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. 104. Yeah. And she made fun of her own age, like in her 70s about yeah. living and her sister who she never got along with they had a rivalry till the almost the day her sister died at age 96 wow they nice. both have oscars both sisters have oscars and she lost this is very interesting she lost one oscar to the first black actress ever because she won for gone with the wind the black actress for a portrayal of mammy oh yeah hattie mcdaniel yes right. and uh, in the 80s Olivia did an interview where she said that in the beginning she was upset she never won the Oscar because she was competitive. But now that she won or she lost to the first black actress who did a great job, she's actually more proud of that. So she was a very pretty liberal person even back then. Yeah. Well, it's always funny. I mean, they always, they always, Hollywood always tries to portray themselves as all being all very, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, liberal, liberal and open-minded yeah. and very, like, oh, we're so, uh, we're such a, a close community and all warms and hugs and stuff like that. But they didn't even, like, the the actress that, that won that, uh, Olivia, the, the black Patty actress. Patty McDaniel. Patty McDaniel, yeah. But she wasn't even, supposedly, she wasn't even allowed in the room. where they were Yeah. 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 No. Like, they let her in and do her speech, and then they kicked her out of the party. Right, yeah. yeah. And uh, but she also said too later on that that's not like if, if you ever won an Oscar, Dave. That's what probably happened too. They yeah, would not yeah. it. They would have me in a cage <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> um, they would, yeah, they would allow me on stage just to accept my award with tape over my mouth. And yeah, uh, um, but uh, but she then then people were sort of like, yeah, but she uh, all after she won the Oscar, she was just designated to roles where she was playing maids and servants. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think it was after. Like, there's a long history of, like, Hollywood making. Right. Right. But she also said, too, that she would rather, she'd rather make $10,000 a day playing a maid than $10 a week being, uh, uh, yeah, she'd rather, she'd rather make $10,000 a week playing a, a maid on, in a, a movie than, you know, $10 a week playing a maid in real life. So. You know, it's 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 how it's what perspective you have, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back we to the, Babylon. Hollywood has always been horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Just making gay people pretend that they're straight. It's never it's never been a good representation of life. It just isn't. No, but I also at the same time, I don't know. If, I mean, it's there's a certain amount of escapism that people want as well. So hundred percent. But I mean, that's why I I predominantly watch like 95% documentaries and then 5% things with my wife, like Ozark or, or shows like that. But everything else I watch solo is all documentary because, and I even know that's not always the truth, but you know, it's more true than what most things that are coming out of Hollywood is. 
Yeah. I mean, even that one thing that I was in, the, the National Film Board thing, that there was some some very selective editing that they did on that, too. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Is that even available anywhere, Dave, for people to watch? I th You have to look pretty hard to find it, because I know it was on... They showed it uh, on the A&E Biography channel at, at one point, and... Uh, I had a copy of it at one point. Documentary? Hmm? Was it that stand-up documentary? Yeah, that's the one. You had a copy. I, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I might, I might have like one or two copies still myself. But yeah, it's not easy to find. But someone told me at one point it was in the condo in Montreal. Yes, it was. And yes. it was one of the few things that people could watch. Yep. So yep. I would meet people 10 years later and would ask me about it. And I'd be like, uh, yeah. But they really showed like, in that one, they, they, they made it look like uh, the night that I did my comedy now uh, was the same night that Christine did a showcase set at Yuck Yucks and bombed horribly. Mm -hmm. And those weren't, those weren't on the same nights. And they were all, they were like maybe even a couple of weeks apart, but they took out the part where Christine's, who was my girlfriend at the time, they took out the part where she was on the phone with me, congratulating me on the show, uh, for getting it. And just me and, and just, Oh, this is so great. Congratulations. You know, this is the right time for you. And I was like, Oh, thank you for that. So they took that out and they made it look like we were on the same night. I had this incredible high when she had this incredible low. Right. So it's like, in, even in the documentaries, you have to watch how they edit. The timeline is like, look at Roger and me is a big example of why Michael Moore, a lot of documentary filmmakers don't believe he's a documentarian. They believe he's a, you know, just a filmmaker, filmmaker. Yeah. because they do the same thing Roger and me. They act like it's Christmas Day, and they cut to all the execs having this big dinner, and then they cut to people being evicted from their homes, which didn't happen on the same day, but it just it's a nicer image to push that thought along of the, the great divide between you know the workers and the executives. So, I mean, timeline is fucked around with a lot of documentaries, but what I'd like to see is I'd like to see that documentary again, and then you guys should do a follow-up interview like a half hour special of where you all are. Oh, well, not I'm right here. <laughs> I am right here. I have not. Well, I it still was, have all the same shit around me. That, let's go through, uh, let's had, go through it quickly. You're there. Nikki's out east. Von Hagen's in Vegas. Majunder's yeah. in LA. Who else is in it? Is he well, in LA right now or is he back well, in Newfoundland? He's back in Newfoundland, but for the most part, career wise, he was in LA for a long time. Right. Uh, Lori Elliott's uh, writing cartoons and still doing stand-up. Who else was in it? Oh, uh, Rouse. Okay, well, Jay is predominantly in L.A., but now in Hamilton during the pandemic. So far, everyone's still in the game. You could easily do a follow-up. Yeah, nobody's dropped out, but, you know, it's sort of like... But, I mean, someone could easily be, like, dropped out of what? You know, it's like we're still sort of doing the same things that we would normally have done. I don't All know. right, fuck it. Don't do anything then, Dave. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier. You, yeah, you, if, if, you, if you never try, you never fail. That's how I look at it. So. <laughs>